Hi, and thank you for joining us for the Compass Catholic Podcast. My name is Caitlin Kano. I'm joined by my co-host, Diana Rojas, as we meet every week to explore personal finance topics from an authentically Catholic perspective. On this podcast, we explore the spiritual, emotional, and economic aspects of money. Thanks for joining us. This week's episode is an interview with Amanda Zerface. Amanda is a Catholic spiritual director, a writer, a speaker, and a canon lawyer. You can learn more about her at amandazerface.com, and we'll put that in the show notes. She's also one of the millions of young adults dealing with student loan debt. In today's episode, Amanda speaks to us about how that debt load is affecting her life and her calling to lay ministry. But despite that debt load, Amanda still donates 10% of her annual profit to help others who've accrued student loan debt to either directly or indirectly serve the Catholic Church. Thank you, Amanda, for spending time with us to talk about this topic. Hi, Amanda. How are you today? Hey, good. Thank you. It's so good to be on the show with you. Yeah, we're glad to finally have you. I know we had to like reschedule and this and that. And I was like, wait, we never did Amanda. Is she going to come on the show finally? So I was excited when I... (laughs) saw your little Google reminder that Amanda's coming on today. So yeah, we're so excited to have you on the show. Um, I'm particularly excited because we're kind of similar. We're both young adults and we have like, you know, not the most glamorous jobs in the world as far as income goes. So I'm just excited for other people to hear your story. When we first spoke the other day, it was, you were just so inspiring and just the way that you live your, live your vocation and live your calling. So um, if we could just start with maybe you kind of telling your listeners a little, our listeners a little bit about um, yourself, your story, and just how you came to be where you are now. Yeah, no, my my privilege. I'd be happy to. So, I, I think just to start with the basics. I mean, just you know, I'm from a younger generation. I'm a 33 year old uh, Catholic laywoman, single, striving to be as faithful to God as possible as I can in the state and life and. My story, I mean, I always tell people my story really began when I was in eighth grade when I had a, a big conversion. We all have our conversion moments, right? And so that's when I pinpoint mine. But from that moment, I just did everything I could to get involved in the church and learn more about the faith. But I was in my 20s when I really grew in my relationship with God. And that's when I was studying theology and social justice in college and then canon law and graduate school. So I've served the church in a lot of different capacities. I've just felt so privileged just on the parish and diocesan level. I've also uh, served for the Holy See to the United Nations. I write Catholic content for faith-based organizations, which is just such a blast. And I currently work full-time for a company called Covenant Eyes. And so I write their Catholic content. But this past spring, I launched an online presence to provide virtual spiritual direction um, and canon law consultations. So yeah, just really grateful to serve and to be able to share about all of it. Yeah, it's so impressive. Um, I mean, we got a little more details now, but it was so impressive. Like everything that you're, you're your wealth of knowledge and you're, I'm honestly most impressed by your generosity and the way that you give back. It's just so beautiful that you have all of this knowledge and all of this like wealth of, of, of our faith. And it, it's not, you're not keeping it to yourself. Like you're excited to share it. You can tell that you're excited to share it. I've 
your website, we'll put it in the show notes. It's so mm-hmm. beautifully done and like the content is amazing. So it's like, I'm so excited that there's someone so willing to share what they know. Like, I just, I want you to know what I know here, like here, like take it, learn what I've learned. So that's so beautiful. So thank you for your, your yes to all of the things that you've done. Oh my goodness. It's my privilege. I think in our feminine, just the way that God designed us as women, we like just, just want to give our hearts. It's like, here, let me take care of you. And this is how I know how to do that. Right. Yeah. Yep. I hear you. <laughs> I love it. And so bringing the conversation back to the financial part, because you, you said, yes, you kept saying yes. And part of that yes was growing your education and you were mentioning you, you know, are you officially a canon lawyer? I am. Yep. I'm a licensed, wow. licensed canon lawyer. Holy moly. So you said yes, fully. And like I said, part of that was saying yes to educational opportunities and moving on and bettering yourself in, um, from an academic perspective. And with that came a pretty tremendous, but not uncommon debt load. So I'm wondering if you can speak to that and kind of give our audience a sense of what that is in your life. I don't know how much information you want to disclose, but um, however much you yeah. feel comfortable so so people can learn that there is there's some commonalities between you and, and someone else who may be struggling with a debt load. Sure. Yeah. Well, um, so just like for us to be able to understand just the reality of how big student loan debt is in our culture. I looked up some statistics. I thought it'd be interesting for us just to like, look at these numbers and just, oh my gosh, it just blows your mind. Even if you're not good with math, I am all theology and art and music. My brain doesn't even just comprehend mathematics or science. So, but just these numbers, you're just blown by it. So at the end of 2018, there were 44.7 million Americans with student loan debt. And the total U.S. student loan debt was $1.64 trillion. $1.64 trillion. And those are every which kind of trade or job that you can imagine. I mean, these aren't just doctors and lawyers. These are teachers that we were talking about even before we got on the air. These are just simple, more simple jobs, humble jobs that are not going to bring in the type of income to be able to pay off this debt. So so anyway, so it's really interesting. in. In, in the dynamic of the church world, so parishes most commonly hire men and women with bachelor's degrees in theology, catechesis and evangelization, youth ministry, and liturgy to fill ministry and teaching positions. Dioceses, they hire master's degrees in theology, liturgy, and canon law. So you look at these types of degrees at private universities the average can go up to 50,000 a year. So, and then you look at the kind of jobs that these laymen and women are taking. I mean, sometimes they can be as low as 23,000 to probably the max 32,000, especially in your first five to 10 years. So you do the numbers. It doesn't make any sense. So I've been impacted in the same in the same way. And you have to make choices in your discernment. It impacts the way that you pursue jobs and positions, mm-hmm. whereas you would have originally 
jumped into missionary jobs or low-paying parish jobs or you know something that you actually studied for because you go into these fields to be able to study in these positions but then you leave university and you can't take the position that you felt called to because of the debt that's happening Goodness. And we had done a series a few months back with um, how student loans are affecting uh, vocations in terms of those discerning religious life. We never gave thought to the lay staff of the churches. And for that, I apologize. We should have incorporated that into that, that series. And we just had no idea. So you're saying it does affect the process. Um, are do you hear anecdotes or is this, do they collect any data as to how this is affecting churches or are we just now starting to piece the anecdotes to get together to form some kind of, um, create some kind of story and, and kind of paint a better picture for us? I don't think there's been any large study done. I, I think probably through some of the organizations that help mm -hmm. the young men and women who are joining religious life or the priesthood, I'm sure have looked into some of the stats behind this. But I think looking at the lay faithful who are stepping up to a different vocation in mm -hmm. a sense, because, you know, I mean, the, the vocation shortage is so different in dioceses in different cities and states. Some are just busting through the seams with the vocations to the priesthood and religious life and praise God. Then there's other areas that have no, you know, three seminarians and they have eight more years of study and mm -hmm. 20 of their men will be retiring this year. You know, so the, the dynamics are so odd and they aren't lining up with vocations. So what's happening is, I, I don't know, the Lord does, has different movements in different mm -hmm. seasons in his church, right? So he, he, he comes to the rescue in different ways. I don't know. I can't say one way or the other if this is how he's coming to the rescue, but certainly more laymen and women are serving in parishes and dioceses than ever before. Because typically we would have been, again, busting at the seams with these young, amazing, beautiful priests who are in our parishes and diocesan offices, and they would have been filling those spots. But we need them in our parishes. We need them out distributing the sacraments. So we have these lay faithful who are coming in, filling these evangelization positions, these liturgy positions that originally, you know, probably even 20, 30 years ago, they weren't in those jobs. Mm -hmm. Those were, those were our priests. But so what happens is we have these laymen and women who just are, they have these hearts. They want to serve, they want to help their bishops and they're young and they're so excited and they sign up for Catholic University with no money and they hope that they'll get a job that can pay it but it doesn't happen that way and bishops can't sponsor these men these laymen and women or they haven't created the structures to yet and I think that is something that should really start to be examined yeah, we talk about that often, actually. And um, well, first, for I am a math teacher, so I'm I'm pretty a little bit with numbers for fourth graders, right? But in case any listener is not sure, Trillion has twelve zeros in it. That's twelve zeros. It's a lot of zeros. It's a lot of money. So I just like I was stuck in my mind. I'm like, whoa, that's so much money. But back to my point is that um, yeah, we talk about it, and I talk about it all the time. That like we wish that there was like something, I don't know, for high schoolers or teenagers. I know that, I know that as Compass Cap, we're doing a teen study, but like directing these teenagers and these pre-college students to know like some of these degrees may not be 
worth the amount of loan. Like you said, like if you're getting a degree in theology and then you're going to get paid this minimal amount, like it, you have to kind of weigh that option before you get that degree. And um, we talk about that all the time because we wish that there was more guidance in that process of selecting a university, selecting a major, selecting like, okay, like this, this job will help me pay this loan or this job. If I pursue this degree, it's maybe not worth the hundred thousand dollars I have in loans. So we talk about that all the time. I don't know what to do about it, but maybe the Holy Spirit will inspire one of us or I don't know, <laughs> but it's a big issue. It really is. Yeah, it really is. Um, and you were speaking about like, you are a lay, a parish, you work in the parish and you're a lay person and you don't have the the funds, like the vocation funds and all that stuff to help pay your, your student loan debts. And I loved when you told us, and I, I was looking on your website a lot, but your generosity, it just, it baffles me, honestly, Amanda, it's so beautiful. So without, you know, divulging too much, you are still working to pay off your loans, but you also have, it's a fund for scholarship. So you give a part of your income, is it right, to the scholarship fund that you are putting on. Can you speak on that a little bit more? Because, I mean, not to brag about yourself, but I just think it's so beautiful what you're doing and you're not even done paying off your loans. And here you are helping other people pay off their loans that they have. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Praise God. Like, I think, you know, when you're hurting and aching, you move out of that and I, it creates such an mm. empathy and compassion, but, um, something I was, I've been reading a book. So, but a few thoughts first of, about this, but I believe if we're not giving, even when it hurts, we can miss the point of charity. And just the gospel duty of tithing. I think Compass Catholic can get so behind that and that you are. I'm sure your Bible studies reflect on this. I would love to just even jump into one of your studies with you and just hear how you talk about the, the just the theology of giving. Um, but tithing isn't supposed to be a comfortable thing, honestly. Like, mm. I don't know when it really became that. I, You know, you look at the gospel and just the tradition of the church. But there's a, a quote that I wrote down that I really wanted to share along these lines. But St. Mother Teresa says, I have found the paradox that if you love until it hurts, there can be no more hurt, only more love. Mm. And just that stood out to me in this regard, especially about um, tithing and giving. But the book that I'm reading that I think the listeners would just eat up is called Happy Are You Poor? The Simple Life and Spiritual mm-hmm. Freedom by Father Thomas Dubay, who has passed away and but is just a, a spiritual genius and gave us so much. But it makes the argument that when we give, we are giving our neighbor what's his already. It was never ours to begin with, right? So, but at, at the same time, there's a in, in poverty, those who are in poverty need our love and mm. care as much as they need our money. So they need to know that they aren't alone. And that's what I'm really trying to do with the scholarship I provide. I'm giving just out of my own ache to bring about a greater awareness to show other men and women that they aren't alone because there's so many people like me and I'm sure they're trying mm-hmm. to figure out how to resolve this, how to help others. Um, but it's like, how to find that system. But I, I want to inspire just this radical approach to acknowledge and tend to the needs of others, really. I mean, there's just the, the saints call us to this, Christ called us to this, um, and they did it by laying down their lives. So I think like, oh my gosh, I can I can give 10%. I mean, it's, it's fine, you know. It's, but honestly, I've tried to come up with a situation or for a solution for student loan debt for Catholic lay leaders. And 
this is where I've landed. I, it was actually my action plan for the the Given Leadership Institute. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I attended a few years back. It was launched by the Sisters of Life. And everybody who attended to be able to go had to develop this action plan. And I was like, oh my gosh, I, I want to figure out how to help other lay students who are like me, mm-hmm. who just are so stuck and are just have no idea how to navigate this. Um, so... I think there's a reason I've landed on the solution of just the scholarship for the time being. I'm supposed to learn something and and maybe others are to learn something too. I wish there was a greater solution, but this is this is where I've where I am right now. I think it's a beautiful solution and and you know speaking of Mother Teresa like I think it's one of her quotes like if you can't feed 100 people feed one like you can't you can't cure everyone's debt but like you can you can help one person reduce their debt by a little bit and so that's so beautiful that that you're doing that. So I just think that's amazing. I really do think it's amazing. Um, yeah, it's, you really like, honestly, like you're so inspiring to me. I can't, it's just your generosity. You really understand that it cannot be outdone, right? Like you really, really believe that you actually said something when we first met, it was a while ago now when we first met, um, when we first met on zoom at least, but you said, I wrote, I wrote it down. It said, debt is the bondage from the devil to keep people from becoming where they're called to be. And I just thought, I was like, wow, like how true is that? Like, that's exactly what he's trying to do when he gives us this debt. He's like, well, you have debt, so you can't do that job that you really should be called to. Can you just kind of speak where that, I don't Mm. know if if you remember saying that, can you kind of speak more on that? I say this all the time when I talk to people, I get so mad. Because as you can imagine, when you yourself experience such a weight, and then you know your peers are too, you get mad. Like, I I hope Mm -hmm. it's like a holy anger I hope yes it's like a, <laughs> yeah a just anger it's just yes. like this is so wrong um so yeah I often say that I'm like this is the devil it has to be the devil uh, but really in in all honesty like anything that keeps us from freedom can be used by the devil to deter us mm. from what God truly wants for our mm. lives so I always even when in spiritual direction with girls I always tell them key to discernment is freedom and joy those are two key things in, in the process of discernment for discovering like what the Lord is calling us to. And it's true. And so the devil uses things in everyday life to rob us of the gift of God and the full life God desires for each one of us. And student loan debt, just in particular, I this is my firsthand experience. I know from, from my peers too, but it can bring a great deal of worry you're you overwork mm-hmm. yourself like to a point of unhealthiness like my all my friends would tell you like all I do is work and I don't mm. feel like I have the freedom not to like you're just stuck and if you don't you become a burden on others mm. so there's it's just such a, a cycle and then you have obsessing you have fear you have regret like oh my gosh did God mm. never want me to study that like was I really never called you know so you start to question even almost your identity like Mm. what you've taken on as your calling so it becomes a really serious battle um so all of this really can make you unfruitful and so it causes us to look in on ourselves so you have all this worry Mm. you're obsessing and you're not you, you don't look outward so you're supposed, we're mm-hmm. supposed to be looking outward in the Christian life and concerned about the needs of others and their aches, you know? I mean, of course, like we have to be healthy and mm. we have to be focusing like to our needs to a certain extent, you know? Um, but it's just the devil loves this unfruitfulness and he uses it. So um, it's just, I don't know the answer, but it's, it's a real problem. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, I feel like you articulated what I've been trying to say for a few months on this topic. It's, it's, I think if people don't know, if you're not familiar with what is going on in the world of student loans, as a Catholic, you need to familiarize yourself because this is something mm. that is affecting our youth and it's going to affect them for the rest of their lives. And the average person graduates with an average of $36,000 in student loan debt. And 60% of graduates, I believe, I'm going to check on that and just verify it, but I'm pretty sure at least 60% of our college graduates leave with student loan debt. And that's not even taking into account the private Catholic universities. Why are our private Catholic universities sending people out into a field they know is going mm. to be unlucrative mm -hmm. with six-figure student loan debt? And I don't have a solution for this, and I'm not villainizing anyone. No, It's right. an issue. It's an issue. Right. And we need to examine it as Catholics, and we need to prayerfully come up with a solution. I don't know what it is. I would love to be part of that conversation and hmm. be at that table, but who mm -hmm. knows what, what that's going to look like in terms of solution. We need a solution. And we hear people yeah. like Amanda, who's beautifully articulate and can give so much and is saying that she has anxiety and she has stress. Imagine what it's doing to someone who is not as spiritually developed. Mm. So I just feel like that's, I don't know if that's right or wrong. I might edit that out because I might get in trouble, <laughs> but it's an issue and we need no. to make sure we're familiar. So if you have a young person in your life who is looking at student loans, looking at attending a university because it's one that maybe supports their ego, or maybe it's one they're told to go to because they're told this has the feel that, you know, look at something else. Do whatever you can do to steer them away from student loans. It's going to put them in bondage for years. Mm -hmm. So that's just mm -hmm. my soapbox. Sorry. <laughs> um, no, I, I totally agree. And I think we really have to examine the development of universities and colleges and how they've become so profitable at the stake of the future mm -hmm. of the church. I mean, this is a serious thing. And, you know, Young people trust Catholic institutions and they should be able to. There should be no reason mm. to not be able to, especially when it comes to the formation of their conscience and the formation of their leadership skills to lay down at, at the foot of the church. I mean, it's just we're these young people are going to be educated so that they can return in return, give of themselves as a gift to to the church who they should be able to, to do that for and not have to be on guard that's that actually they're not out for their good goodness so I'm wondering Amanda what advice would you give to a young you know young adult or maybe a, an 18 year old who's considering one school of another over another what advice would you give them in terms mm. of how to move forward what what do you wish you would have known hmm a really great question um so there's I think there's two key things I, I really wish I would have listened to my parents so this is important this goes this plays along the note of pride and what is being fed to our young people mm. so oh I remember my senior year it was almost like this popular thing to do you have to go to a four-year college you have to go to a really nice school like when you go up on stage they're going to announce what university you're going to mm. so this is happening at a catholic high school you know so there's a lot mm -hmm. of pressure happening on you how are you going to continue to to 
I don't know, to, to have this amazing Catholic education and go out and be a leader in the world. Like you had to take on all this debt to be able to, to live up to who you're supposed to be kind of a thing, you know? But I remember, especially my dad, he said, you, you should just go to um, like a community college to do your prerequisites, right? Mm -hmm. So just that's one small way of limiting some debt. It wouldn't have been a huge amount, especially in comparison to how much tuition was, but it would have been something. And it mm. would have taken an act of humility on my 18-year-old self, you know, mm. so I would have had to, to receive the advice of my dad and the care. So I would have to say, listen to your parents, listen to those around you who really care and love you. Now, there's one thing, though, that you have to decipher, which is so difficult, is the will of God versus like some other opinion that's taking place. But always remembering God does not want you to be stuck or in bondage, like what we were saying, freedom and joy and peace is so key to all of this. Um, so that's that's one thing. Listen to your parents. Listen to the tr people who have proven to be trustworthy in your life, right? Mm -hmm. So it may not be your parents, but somebody in your life. Mm. So um, that's one, that's one thing. The also also is I I really wish I would have asked my parish community for help, financial help. Mm. I I didn't know that was a thing. Like I I wish I would have understood first the gravity of the debt. Like I didn't even comprehend what it was that I was taking on because the mm. university was just like, here's this package and you sign here and each year you do that again, you know, kind of a thing. It's just like, oh, I get to go to school. So I'm going to sign this. I get to go to school and when I get out, oh, but at the same time, I think communities really have a role to play in the life of our, our kids. I mean, they, they offer the formation, especially in parish life. I think there is a responsibility there to continue that education. That's m my personal opinion. I don't know how many people would hold hold that to be true, but I think community can really help balance that, especially if a diocese or university isn't able to provide um, for for help for kids. Like maybe it's the community that can help from a parish base. I love that idea of like asking the community, even if it's not for like financial help, but even just like, for instance, I'm a teacher, right? Like, okay, let me go ask teachers. Like, okay, on average, how much do you make? Like, okay, how much do you pay in student loan debts? Like, I need to see things like right now. I love, Caitlin knows I love Excel sheets. So like, if someone, you know, could show me like, okay, if you take on this much student loan and you are a teacher, like it's going to take you, you know, 30, 40 years to pay off that student loan debt. Like I would, I think that'd be helpful, you know, or just going around asking like, oh, like you're a lawyer. That's what I want to do. Like about how much debt did that cost? Like, did that, did you inquire with that? And then how many years have you been paying that off? And like, just asking those questions. And maybe you said, maybe it won't be your parents who can help you with that, but someone trusted in your community that can say like, Hey, like, yeah, that's what I do. And I still pay the student loan debt and I'm 45. Like, okay, well, hold on. Like, I don't want to be paying this forever. So yeah. So I think that's great advice for young people listening. Did I jump questions, Diana? I'm gonna it doesn't matter. I told the jump question. Sorry. <laughs> Do you want to ask the uh, professional journey? Sure. One? Okay. Sorry. No, don't be sorry. I was getting all excited. Amanda's so good. <laughs> I know. You're a good. You, you guys are so good. 
So just one of our last questions before we get to the fun stuff or the funner stuff. Um, I don't know if that's a word, actually. I, my students always make fun of me. Like, Miss Rojas, I'm like, guys, I teach math. Leave me alone. Like, it's fine. Funner, fun, more fun, all the same thing. We're having fun, so stop bothering me. But <laughs> I love it. Oh, my goodness. Um, just if there was anything that you wish you would have known uh, prior to starting your professional journey, right, to include certain education or certain training that you wish you would have known before you started that maybe someone who's kind of on a similar path as you could kind of use your life experience to, uh, to help guide their decisions or their, their journey. Mm. This kind of gets back a little bit on the soapbox of about <laughs> Catholic institutions, not, and again, like, Oh my gosh, I'm a number one supporter of these institutions mm -hmm. and I want to see them thrive, but I want to see them do it with integrity and in upholding these young souls. I, I just, I think that is so important. Um, but I, I just really want to encourage young people who are interested in a Catholic education to look into universities that are actually living up to their Catholic identity. The worst thing that can happen is that you enroll in a Catholic university that actually isn't Catholic through mm. and through. You, you, you go in to study theology, liturgy, humanities, nursing, whatever it is, you, these young people are going to these universities because they want a solid Catholic formation. And so they take on that debt, trusting that that's what they're going to receive. But oftentimes what is happening, a lot of these universities are not living up to what it truly means to be Catholic as a university or college. And mm. it's almost like these kids are being duped and they leave not having had a solid Catholic education. So I really want to encourage young people to do your homework on what universities are really striving to, to truly be Catholic. Um, so that's that's. That's one um, piece of advice. The other is just, I think we touched on it a little bit, is consider the amount of debt and compare it to the average pay the position is that you're looking at pursuing after college. That is something I refuse to do because I just leaned on the fact that I'm being called to this job. Like I was so convicted. I am called to study this. God has placed this on my heart and I need to do it. That's so beautiful. And it's possible that God was doing that. I still I still joke. I'm like, I still really don't know if God wanted me to study canon law. I still joke about that now that I've been practicing for 10 years. But you really have to wonder, you know, if if you have all this debt, God never desired that. God never willed uh. that. So because he never wills this this heaviness that keeps you from being healthy, happy, and holy, right? Um so it's you really have to to be smart at the same time as you and and truly learn the discernment process, you know, and that's hard to say to an 18 year old. I mean, not many 18 year olds have a spiritual director, <laughs> just, you know, and, and that's almost the biggest moment in our lives, apparently. I mean, one of the biggest moments now they're making choices that are going to impact them until they're 100. And they don't, they don't know that. So, so that's something really serious that especially mentors who are listening of young people, parents, mm. grandparents, anybody to, to really have that maybe a come to Jesus moment, as we so often call it, to look at the numbers and, and to find some of the people in your diocese or parish who have those positions and set up that conversation with the kid in your life who is considering that and see, see if they can start to walk 
the journey with them and mentor them and maybe even open up some relationships to the diocese that may even create a sponsorship opportunity or, you know, you just have to, the, the adults really need to, to be able to help these kids navigate all this. Yeah. I love it. I feel like that's such good advice. That was a jam-packed half hour there. Holy <laughs> moly. <laughs> and I, I think we're, we're both on the same, uh, I think all three of us are on the same soapbox here. Whatever you can do, be smart. A little, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? So mm-hmm. whatever you can do to avoid any kind of debt load on the other end of graduation is just going to set you ahead. And, and mm-hmm. when we think about student loan crisis, it's not just the debt load. It's the lost wealth and retirement. It's the lost ability to save up for their own children's education. It's not being able to retire because they were paying off this debt load. It's not being able to say yes to whatever God is calling them to later on in life because they are shackled. So if you are you know a teenager who's looking at student loan debt, who's considering taking on whatever it is, just be prayerful about it and make sure they know it's something that's going to have a lifelong impact. It's it doesn't go away. Unfortunately, it's one of those debts that's just the stickiest thing. Sticky, sticky. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah, go. <laughs> so we have some hot seat questions. And so just fun questions. And you can answer at your own, you know, level of uh, as much as you want to share, don't want to share. But so the first hot seat question is, what is your favorite thing to splurge on? Okay, this question actually really makes me laugh because I remember crying to just a priest advisor one time um, a few years back about my student loan debt. So this is really a providential question, I think. And his response to me was, what are they going to do? Repossess all your coats? So he he knew that coats were my weakness. I truly, there's something so feminine and beautiful about them. I, I'm not sure what it is, but if I'm out shopping, you will no doubt see me looking at coats. So, but also <laughs> just cracks me up. But what are they going to do? Repossess all your coats? Just still cracks me up. That moment oh of being known. It's just such a cool moment mm-hmm. when somebody knows you that well. Yeah. Um, but also books. Books, I enjoy them and I need them for work. So there's like a, a double thing. And then also stationary. I don't know, but I love sending, I love sending notes of affirmation. I do. And they're just pretty. Those are awesome. I can, I can relate to the books and the stationery. I love sending stationery also. Like during COVID, that was my thing. Like I'm going to send people little postcards, but the coats, I can't really understand because I live in Miami. And so if I have <laughs> one coat, it's a, like, we went, we went, I think we were going skiing one year and I was like calling all, I'm like, does anyone have a coat that I can borrow? Because I don't know if I have a coat that's suitable for cold weather. (laughs) That's really funny. That's, I was wondering why you both were so tan. I'm like, why are you guys so tan? But (laughs) it makes sense now. And also I lived in Minnesota and Ohio and Canada. So it's just in Colorado. So it's like, no, I've lived all the coldest places. So yeah, it's a little different. That makes sense, Diana. Super different. Oh yeah. Oh man. So our next hot seat question is, what do you most regret spending money on? That's a great question, too. So I would have to say, just looking at my life as a whole, it would have to be furniture and decorations. Because Mm. I have moved so many times to serve and study that I ended up having to give all these things away. I, I just, I don't even have any of 
half the stuff because of moving just those different occasions. Um, I'm thinking just like on a more realistic level for everybody that could identify to this would be like smartwatches. I know that in the past five or six years, I've bought two smartwatches and I never wear them. Music downloads and apps. Music downloads and apps. I like, I regret those purchases. I don't, music especially, you know, they just add up and you never listen to it. So. Those are interesting. I like those. Yeah. <laughs> this is awesome. I love this. <laughs> and then we just have two more that you can answer however, whichever order you want, but which money habits work best for you and which money habits have worked against you? So I'm not a financial advisor, so I don't know if this actually falls under like money habits per se. So I tried to, I was thinking about this, but I would have to say that works best. I love automatic payments. They're, is that considered a money yeah. habit? So they're yeah. amazing. Yeah. They're like, that's amazing. Like, why wouldn't you do that? They make sure that you're not late on your bills. You don't have these fees. So I, I find that automatic payments are great. Um, I haven't always done this, but I plan my purchases now and I make sure my monthly spending like only fits in paying down my debt. Just so I plan any spending that I do. Cause oftentimes I would just, especially before my loans became active, like the payments, I wouldn't even think about buying some, I would just buy it if I, if I wanted based on, you know, not like a huge right. amount, but if I was at a store, like I, yeah, why wouldn't I get that? Why wouldn't I get that? But now another code, right? Very, I need this code. <laughs> yeah, another code. But now you have to be really intentional. It's like, no, that doesn't that doesn't fit into my budget. So, yeah, just so planning purchases. Um, also, I, I don't buy things just because they're on sale. I know that mm -hmm. sales are a big a big encouragement for spending. So even as we approach Friday, like Black Friday, I I probably won't unless I need something, you know. So, yeah. Those are some of the habits. Those are great. Yeah, I always say if you didn't need it when it wasn't on sale, you don't need it when it is Ooh. on sale, right? Like oh, that's great. I like that, Caitlin. That's mm -hmm. it's the thing my kids say, Mom, it's on sale. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I didn't need it. It's like we don't need it. <laughs> we don't need Still it. Still don't need it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Amanda, you are such a joy. You are like radiant and wonderful. And oh my gosh. even though you're dealing with this debt load, you are just exuberant. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is going to be present in someone's discernment process because they listened to this episode today when they're thinking mm -hmm. about taking on student loan debt. So that's a, hopefully you, will, will impact other people. And I, I'm sure it will, because you just speak to it so beautifully, but um, I'm wondering if you can lead us out in prayer in today's episode. Absolutely. Yeah. No, again, my privilege to be here and share a little bit of my my story. And I do hope it helps some folks, especially uh, kids who are in discernment of next steps in their lives. And, and for anybody who's struggling with, with debt, you know, they're not alone and, and it may feel like a really lonely journey, but lean into to the Lord who just mm. delights in, in you so much. And if you're surrounded by family, like go to them and let them comfort you because family is such a gift. So yeah. Thank you again. In the name of the father, son, Holy spirit. Amen. Lord, we give you so much thanksgiving for this opportunity to share and just delight in your ways and all that you're doing in our lives. Please bless compass Catholic and all it is that 
you are calling them to and just help them to be a beacon of hope in the midst of uh, a world for many who are, are struggling financially and who are seeking uh, relief um, in their day-to-day so that they can be more fully who that you desire them to be. So we actually, um, even in that light, ask that you shed light on the issue of student loan debt and um, provide all those who are suffering in whatever way uh, with this debt guidance, um, especially guidance for how to just surrender to your will uh, for their lives and any suffering that they're experiencing, that they'll just lean into your heart and um, lay it down as a just as a sacrifice for um, others, for their poor souls in purgatory, especially as we celebrate this month in November and um, for anyone else who's in need of, of a sacrifice. So we ask all of this through the Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, God, pray for us sinners sinners, now and at the hour hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please subscribe and share it with a friend? We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions or ideas for future episode topics, you can email us at podcast at compasscatholic.org or you can give us a call at 407-878-7637. We are so happy to be on this journey with you.